At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. podcast the podcast for cryptids and their keepers that's us and if you're listening it's you too i'm alex flanagan and i'm addison peacock and we are just so happy to be here me too i just said me too even though you already said we (laughs) i already said we i did speak for you but i'm glad (laughs) that you agree with me because it means that my uh my words were not out of line so i appreciate a little bit of validation i like having reinforcements on controversial statements (laughs) Uh, controversial statements like i'm happy to be making this podcast that i make with my friend (laughs) retweet (laughs) i have no idea what my side of this is going to sound like i'm on my microphone and everything but i'm recording from uh, my mom's office which is sort of an echoey space i've tried to sort of create a little like sound box in here but we'll just see we'll see it comes out it's no suffering booth but hopefully it's still something sorry val (laughs) yeah exactly exactly I was going to say, what it is, is an office with glass doors, a.k.a. A ver- an echo chamber, literally. Mm-hmm. Powerful. People always tried to, my conservative family members always tried to tell me I was living in an echo chamber, and now they're right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, was that not good for you? Did you not like it? Nothing is good for me these days. Oh, no. Well, I hope I can change that. Oh, I hope so, too. Yeah, and with today's episode... It's Addison back at it again with a not technically cryptid, but adjacent to things that go bump in the night subject, aka I've been watching a lot of scary movies and I wanted to talk about it. Do you want? Do you have any guesses? Uh, do I have any guesses on what? That wasn't phrased as a question that's answerable. <laughs> do you have any guesses as what to movie my, you've been watching? You, what monster we're talking about? Do you have um, any guesses? It's not a monster. Do you have any guesses as to what I'm? Do you have any guesses as to what I'm covering? <laughs> um, I uh, the the bye bye man. Oh my god, what if it was the Bye Bye Man? (laughs) I haven't actually watched the Bye Bye Man. It is on my list. I know it's not supposed to be very good. I have Um, never seen the Bye Bye Man. The only reason I think about the Bye Bye Man at all is because I have more than once listened to the episode of All My Fantasy Children about the Howdy Man, and there's a joke in there about the Bye Bye Man. Um, Oh, that's grand. It's grand, Um, but the Howdy Man is wonderful. Uh, And if if you have to pick one episode of All My Fantasy Children to listen to multiple multiple times in the span of 48 hours it should be the howdy man <laughs> um, oh, very specific circumstances but i'll take it um i have not had any juice today i've only had uh lacroix well, so, you know what to do <laughs> so i have no <laughs> i said juice i know um, so i have no <laughs> i have no reason to be <laughs> exuding whatever this is but hey no i want to talk about ouija boards Ooh. <laughs> um, I've just been they're such a staple of horror filmmaking and I actually had one as a kid and so I wanted to talk about them. I know some people say it Ouija board, but they're wrong. 
a Luigi board. I, I had one as a kid. I'm going off of, I had a Hasbro glow-in-the-dark Ouija board as a child, and the box said to pronounce it Ouija, so that's how I am saying it. <laughs> Had a well, the last thing I would want to do is disrespect the rules of a Ouija board before I even opened it. So. Exactly. If the Hasbro Corporation tells me how to pronounce their spirit summoning board, then I'm going to mm-hmm. go with what they say. There's actually a really interesting, it's kind of dubious where the origin of the name came from. There's like a couple potential places. I'll get into that soon, actually. Uh, so without further ado, I'd like to just hop into kind of the history of the Ouija board. Yeah. I Take have me away. A, yes. I have an article from The Guardian, which is uh, written by Baynard Woods from 2016, and it's called The Ouija Board's Mysterious Origins, War, Spirits, and a Strange Death. Okay. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I was waiting to see if you'd have any reaction to any of that. I was just going <laughs> to... We're how many episodes in? A title like that is not going to phase me. Okay, this is fair. Okay, so... There's a little intro. I'm just going to read straight from it here. If you grew up in the U.S., you're probably familiar with the Ouija board. Whether you've seen it used in movies like The Exorcist or huddled around it with some friends at a seance, the mysterious talking board has long captivated us with its promise to connect the living and the dead. And though the board is a fixture in American pop culture, very little is known about where it came from. According to the historian Robert Murch, The history of the Ouija board is as mysterious as the workings of the board itself. Murch has spent years tracing the history of America's favorite seance tool, and we asked him to tell us a little bit about what he's learned so far. I love a historian that specializes in the Ouija board. That is, mm, you can't see right now, but I'm doing a little chef's kiss. Oh, I I felt it. Thank you. I mean, I didn't feel it. You weren't kissing me, but I did. I did sort of, it spiritually resonated with me. <laughs> Move over, butterfly kisses. It's time for the chef's kiss. Take your partner's fingers and kiss them and then force them to explode them in a little gesture as if to say, oh mamma mia, that's a good. <laughs> I don't know what's happening to me. So I talked about this before, but uh, there was a spiritualist movement that exploded in America around the period of time after the Civil War. And a lot of people attribute that to the losses in the Civil War, because to quote uh, Murch, the historian here, he said, everyone lost a father, a son, an uncle, a grandfather, a cousin. Death touched everybody in a way that had never happened in the U.S. So since so many people were grappling with death, spiritualism got really, really popular because so many people were looking for ways to reach their loved ones in whatever afterlife they might be in. So spiritual devices like the Ouija board became really popular. Uh, The name Ouija supposedly, according to this one, comes from the name of a rooming house in Baltimore. An encounter in a rooming house in Baltimore. I can't talk. Mm -hmm. It was coined by a medium named Helen Peters, who was using the Ouija board with her brother-in-law, Elijah Bond, one night in 1890 in Baltimore. She was using, at the time, it was called a spirit board. Obviously, it didn't have the name yet. Uh, When she asked what they should call it, the planchette spelled out O-U-I-J-A, which the board told her meant good luck. Um, The building where the board was named is now a 7-Eleven, and it has a plaque on the wall commemorating the event. (laughs) Nice. I want to go to the Ouija board 7-Eleven. Gosh, that's all I it's want. It's in Baltimore. That's it? Well, that's 
That's very doable. Yuck. I mean, not right now. There's no, no right way now. I'm going to a 7-Eleven in Baltimore right now. But any other time, that's extremely doable for me. So um, she patented that, but then uh, the Ouija board was first sold, essentially, as a sort of home product under that name by American entrepreneur William Fold, who marketed the board, especially in national catalogs like Sears. I love that. Mm. Flipping through Sears, like, do I want to buy some blue jeans? Do I want to buy, I don't know, a blender? Do I want to buy a board that allows <laughs> me to connect with the great beyond? Who was the initial audience for Ouija boards? Do you know? Just kind of general America. It was like, because it, the spiritualist craze was so widespread, it was just basically like, I'll, I'll read you the initial ad, actually. It's just kind yeah. of a general marketing thing. It's Ouija, the magic game. Remarkable, interesting, and mystifying game. Great mirth and making game for parties. Apparently answers questions concerning past, present, and future. That's a quote from an ad that appeared in an old Sears catalog. I love that. So the reason I was specifically asking is because, like, especially with when you mentioned like the Sears catalog thing, I'm always fascinated by how many movements in specifically American history started out as being primarily geared to like American housewives. Yes, it absolutely was like It's that. a really fascinating thing. Uh, and it's a really interesting look too at like how consumer culture has been shaped primarily through the lens of like the people who are presumed to be one, um, most in need of whatever sort of like cultural control being on like the newest trend will give you, but also people mm -hmm. who are in a specific place where they can be targeted by advertising reliably. And for a lot of American history, that was housewives, you know, exactly. people who were at home all the time, who were receiving mail, who were in charge of like what their domestic sphere looked like. And then having to be the ones to make those decisions of like what ruled a trend or whatever. There's actually a really fascinating article I read a while mm -hmm. ago about how molecular gastronomy started off as like, the realm of the bored American housewife <laughs> and like how all of the horrible jello things that you've seen from like the 70s, um, yeah. as terrible and disgusting as they are, are actually really fascinating because it's food science and it's yeah. a field that was pioneered by like women in polka dot dresses who were doing like elaborate food science. And of course, now it's a field that's been predominantly taken over by men because it's perceived as a legitimate discipline now instead of like a household game. Um, sort of like but, how uh, most professional chefs are men, even though cooking in the home is viewed as women's work. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that, that's a whole like tangent and I didn't mean to distract no, it's from okay. the original <laughs> tale, but I'm, I'm really fascinated by how many things we perceive now. And I myself do not necessarily break things down into a gendered binary, but I, when you're having this conversation on a grand global scale, the perception of it is largely like things are either a women's job or a man's job. And so the idea of like so many things that we perceive as predominantly male industries or disciplines or interests, like having actually begun their origins with like middle-aged moms is so fascinating to me. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so it began uh, advertising in Sears as a party game. So you're not wrong that the mm -hmm. general target audience for this was almost certainly housewives. Because you're advertising it in a catalog and you're advertising it as mm -hmm. something to do at a party. Yeah. And in that time period, in the olden times, it's who is hosting the parties, who is putting them together, who is having, who is entertaining. Yeah. That's interesting. So then Helen Peters, who was the woman who coined the term for the Ouija board, 
she ended up selling all of her stock in the company and abandoning the Ouija board after <laughs> some Civil War family heirlooms went missing from the Peters' home. She asked the Ouija board who had taken them. Then the board indicated a member of the family. It doesn't say who, but apparently half of the family believed it and half of the family didn't, including Helen. And so afterwards, she there basically it created a rift in the family that was never repaired. And then Peter sold all her stock in the company. And according to the historian interviewed here, Merch, until her dying day, she told everyone, don't play the Ouija board because it lies, <laughs> which is amazing. And then William Fold, the man who ended up, like, he was the one who mounted the Sears marketing campaign, that guy I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. He uh, had some other troubles with the, uh, with the Ouija board uh, business. He cut his brother out of the business in 1919 under circumstances we don't know, and the two never spoke again. He, uh, excuse me, he had an accident here. Let me run. uh, First of all, there was a brief tangent here and something else that I love, which is in a 1920 article, the New York Times compared the popularity of the Ouija board to that of bubblegum. Oh, I love that. It it was that popular. And um, so then there was in 1927, he had made $1 million in sales from the Ouija board. William Fold, that's $1 million in 1927 money. I was going to ask. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, So then something else happened. When he was uh, in 1927, he went on the roof of the building, one of his new factories. His largest factory is a three-story building in Baltimore. He was supervising the replacement of a flagpole. According to an article in the Baltimore Sun, he was standing near the edge of the roof, grasping an iron support of the pole to steady himself, when the support suddenly pulled away and he toppled over backward. He basically grabbed hold of the sill of an open window, which suddenly closed, sending him crashing down to the sidewalk below. He broke several ribs, but was expected to survive until a bump in the road on the way to the hospital sent one of the fractured bones through his heart, and he died. A series of, like, unfortunate events, not to borrow from the title of books, but it was like a series of accidents. It was like, that's like Mm. Final Destination level. That is wild. He... He fell first with the accident, grabbed an open window. The window suddenly closed. Then he fell on the ground, still lived. And then the ambulance hit a bump in the road on the way to the hospital and shifted the bones such that he died. That is truly wild. Yeah. It says uh, his family continued to run the business until 1966 when they sold it to the Parker Brothers, which was later bought by Hasbro, whose website warns, handle the Ouija board with respect and it won't disappoint you. So the thing about the Ouija board is not only is it sort of regarded as this like fun sort of like creepy party game thing is that it does carry sort of this cultural implication of an inherent darkness. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like that when it was initially marketed, but over time it's appeared in so many different horror films and it's been associated with like sort of it carrying like bad luck and danger. I will also say, by the way, that just because the Ouija board has only been around since like about for about a hundred years does not mean that the concept of a spirit board that you use to communicate with something that moves something to to spell out words for you that is not new that's been around going back to like the days of automatic writing i I remembered reading and some of this isn't really substantiated but it said like the first recorded spirit board was used in like ancient china 
Ooh, okay. So uh, some of this I couldn't find a lot of soup details, but basically the Ouija boards is specifically very much an American phenomenon, but spirit boards have been around in multiple cultures for a long, long time. Just wanted to make that very clear. Like, just because <laughs> the Ouija... They have not always been sold at Sears, but... <laughs> not always been sold at Sears, exactly. When I refer to the Ouija board, I'm specifically referring to sort of the commodified American version, but spirit boards themselves are a very old concept. For as long as people have been trying to communicate with dead ancestors or spirits or uh, just any kind of inhuman consciousness, there's been some kind of... It, it also, it also uh, shares common history with, like, automatic writing which we've talked about before Mm -hmm. so wanted to mention that really quickly it was um objects Mm -hmm. similar to ouija boards according to uh an uh a little piece of information on the brown (laughs) university website uh cool um it's it looks like it's pulled from a course on like the history of spiritualism uh and it's just a little quote about the origins of the ouija board and it's sourced uh to someone uh, with the last name Hunt, and it says objects similar to the Ouija board date as far back as 551 BC uh, in China, where spirit boards were commonplace items used to communicate with the dead. It's also claimed that Pythagoras used talking boards or spirit boards as part of his studies uh, to unearth revelations from the unseen world. They also have been connected to ancient Rome, where two people once used a spirit board to predict the successor to the king. They were tried for treason and eventually executed. And the claimed successor that the board named was also executed. Hmm. That's a little bit... I wanted to make sure I... I I didn't want to just be like, a long time ago in China, I was like, I had a year. I just needed to find which source had the year. Um, Let's see. I do have some... The skeptic explanation for Ouija boards coming up soon, but right now I don't want to do that yet. (laughs) (laughs) Skeptics in my podcast. On my cryptid podcast. It's less likely than you think. I don't know. Depends on how likely you think it is, I guess. That's kind of a personal metric. I don't know. (laughs) I found there are so many stories of people using Ouija boards and so that will be a fun one I'll get to in a second but I also found this listicle and you know how much I love a listicle I do love a listicle I found on mentalfloss.com I found the quick 10 10 famous uses of the Ouija board compiled by Stacy Conrad in October of 2010 and this is just some of the kind of famous uh stories of Ouija boards several famous writers especially used Ouija boards in their writing like while writing ostensibly nonfiction things about it. So uh, Sylvia Plath wrote Dialogue Over a Ouija Board in 1957, which was meant to be an account of her results from a session with a Ouija board. Mm-hmm. Then after Eastern Airlines Flight... Four, um, these I'm just going rapid fire through the list. That was one. Two, after Eastern Airlines Flight 401 crashed into the Florida Everglades in 1972, John G. Fuller wrote a book about it called The Ghosts of Flight 401. Employees of Eastern Airlines reported seeing the ghosts of the pilot and co-pilot Bob Loft and Don Repo around the company. And basically, uh, and the ghosts of the 10 deceased flight attendants kept showing up on another plane. So uh, Fuller supposedly used a Ouija board and a medium to contact the spirits in order to write his book. Poet James Merrill, Pulitzer Prize winner, extensively used the board to write his work, including 1982's The Changing Light at Sandover, 
which was a 560-page epic consisting of messages, messages, supposed messages from several deceased people, including fellow poet W.H. Auden, friends Maya Darren and Maria Mitsutaki, and the Archangel Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Alice Cooper claimed that he got his stage name from a Ouija board. Nice. Yeah, he consulted the board, which he, he claims told him he was a reincarnation of a 17th century witch named Alice Cooper. And he oh. adopted the name. Right? Fascinating. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, I, um, I understand why you would lean toward fiction, like uh, nonfiction or, you know, historically inspired fiction if you are using a Ouija board. But I also really want to know if there are people out there who use them just, like, to write fan fiction. Like, Ouija um, board. Which characters should kiss? I mean, that's a good question, but I do, uh... <laughs> I do, there is a writer who claimed, uh, a woman named Emily Grant Hutchings claimed, uh, that her novel was dictated to her via a Ouija board by Mark Twain. <laughs> nice! Skeptics said that the book was so bad that there was no way Mark Twain had written it. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the work of somebody who has never read Mark Twain. Yeah. Um, number six, this woman, uh, Pearl Curran, was famous for her Ouija-dictated books. She supposedly co-wrote a book with a Puritan woman named Patience Worth, who wrote multiple novels and many poems before Pearl Curran died in 1937. Patience, of course, was kind enough to let Pearl know that her demise was imminent. Hmm. Uh, number seven, Oh, this is one you've talked about, actually. So funnily enough, <laughs> this is William Butler Yeats using his wife's channeling abilities of yes. automatic writing, yes, to write a vision. So that one, that one is just adjacent to Ouija boards, but that was entry number seven on this list. We've talked about them before. See the Banshees episode for more on that. I don't want to give too much away. If you want to learn, you'll have to go back and listen. <laughs> Spoilers for an episode we already did. Spoilers for an episode of our podcast that we already did. <laughs> Not that you have to listen to this show in order. No. Oh my gosh. You but there is like don't. a weirdly present overarching meta that does seem to influence our actions. <laughs> so wow, it it's almost like when you dive into folklore, things share common themes and elements across the world. It's true. And then sometimes you also develop like a running joke about a famous actor being a Kelpie. So like, you know, there true. are two different ways of looking at it. <laughs> um... So, number eight, Bill Wilson may have turned from one addiction to another when he eschewed alcohol but picked up a pretty bad Ouija habit. The co-founder of AA had a room set up in his house where he would contact spirits that supposedly helped him with his alcoholism. One of the spirits he claimed was a 15th century monk. He acknowledged in his autobiography that he used the Ouija board to help create the program's famous 12 Steps. That is wild. There are ghosts in this board and they're going to help you get sober. I mean, it, clearly there are like demonstrable successes. No, I know. It's just, that's truly wild. <laughs> I want, like, I've never been to an AA meeting. I, I hope that's part of the pitch. Do they, do they tell you that at AA? I hope the, I hope the like initial debrief does include there were ghosts in a magic board and they told us how to help you. I hope so. Number nine, former Italian Prime Minister Romano Prodi 
said when asked under oath how he knew where previous Prime Minister Aldo Moro was being held by the Red Brigades, that a spirit told him this information through a Ouija board. He claimed he was told this by Giorgio Lapira, the former mayor of Florence who had died the previous year. Many people believed this was simply him trying to avoid revealing his actual source. But hey, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I love that, though. And then the band, the Mars Volta, says they wrote an entire album around the Ouija board. A session with the board gave them a story that they ended up using in the whole creative process. But when strange things started happening, such as a flooded studio, an engineer having a nervous breakdown, and the lead singer entering his foot, they burned the Ouija board and buried it. Wow. So if you were wondering how many ghost collabs have been done via the Ouija board, it's quite a few. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. I, um... I have a sort of secondhand account of some Ouija nonsense to give you. Please. But before we do that, we have oh. something else. We have another uh, sort of message from the beyond that I need to relay to someone else that is being spoken to me <gasps> through a device, which I am then going to interpret and share out into the world to a specific person who may need to hear it. Uh, this is... As you may have already guessed, my attempt at segueing into one of the announcements formerly known as an incoming transmission. Um, in case you missed anything that has unfolded over the past several days, uh, or, you know, maybe you're just a person who's not on Twitter in general, in which case, congratulations. What's Honestly, secret? hats off to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there is basically some stuff going down with the network that we were until this point located on. I'm not going to really get into any of the messy details. You can find, uh, we'll link the statement in the show notes so you can sort of see what's going on. We will be moving forward um, into a restructured network along with many of our wonderful friends and allies that we have been podcasting alongside for the time being, and we're very excited about all of that. We hope that you continue to move forward with us and listen to us and many of our partner shows, um, but we will no longer be operating under the brand of the Lunar Light Studio Network, nor will we be associating with that brand or any of its affiliate titles and imagery and... Uh, you know, for lack of a better word, devices. So mm -hmm. this is not an incoming transmission, but it is a message which was paid for and purchased on our show, and we would like to relay it and spread some joy out into the universe. This comes to us from Hannah, and this Hannah. message is for Mackenzie. Mackenzie! I'm just saying yeah. names excitedly. <laughs> <laughs> and your message, Kenzie, is... Hey, BB, congrats on your master's degree and graduation. Thank you for the amazing years of friendship and introducing me to all of the podcasts you've shown me, including this one. You're the best. <gasps> Congratulations on your master's degree and graduation. Seriously, that is no small thing ever. But That's like, amazing. especially right now, finishing up a master's degree, um, you're a rock star. And I hope that you are able to enjoy some probably well-deserved rest after Absolutely. all Absolutely. As someone who's about to enter the last year of my master's degree, I am very jealous. And I, it's, a lot. it's a big thing. And I applaud you. Yeah. And I also applaud you for showing Hannah our podcast. Yeah. Clearly, you're very good at a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah, great move on your part. <laughs> so congratulations. And thank you, Hannah, for sending in that message. Honestly, Messages from the Beyond is kind of a cool name for them. I do like Messages from Beyond quite a bit. Um, so anyway, I do want to say, uh, as far as Ouija boards go, I don't know any of the messy details of this, nor do I know if I'm at liberty to share them. So I am going to basically avoid 
any details that would come mm -hmm. about from that point. But I do know that my mother, for a period of time in college, had some interactions with the Ouija board. And after her personal interactions with this Ouija board, uh, had some very troubling sort of, I don't want to say spiritual experiences, maybe spectral experiences. Huh. But I, I'll like, again, I... I'm not going to try to get into any of the details because I will misremember them and I will misrepresent them. And they're also not mine to share. But I do know that like a lot of times I've heard stories about, you know, you mess with a Ouija board and basically a door is open, which cannot be closed, that sort of thing. And that was very much the nature of the stories that she relayed to me was that basically there was something which maybe entered her area of either physical reality or consciousness, which afterwards could not be sent away again. Ah, <sighs> yeah, kind of a kind of a shadow person vibe was the the deal that I got from it. That was like my interpretation of what I was told. Yeah, um, but take it as you will. It's uh, it's all fun and games until it's no longer fun or games. Yeah, I have an adjacent story. I don't have a personal story. I'm not gonna lie. I, I mentioned I owned a glow in the dark Ouija board when I was younger. I used it approximately mm -hmm. one time. <laughs> I say approximately because I only used it for a little bit before I got freaked out and stopped, and then I never used it again. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I talk a big game about how much I love creepy stuff, and I still do, but I'm also a big baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I did use it once and then never again. But uh, one of my friends from college, uh, from my first college, I went to two colleges, and I was a transfer student. You get it. It's a whole weird thing. But one of my friends from my first college told me this once. And again, I'll avoid specifics just because I'm not sure if she'd be okay with me relaying this. So I won't say anything like, but I know, mm -hmm. but basically she and some friends had taken a board with them to a supposedly haunted, abandoned tuberculosis hospital and had fiddled around with it there a little bit and gotten a little freaked out and decided to leave. And she described for weeks afterward, the sensation that something had followed them home. Ooh. From there. <laughs> I don't know the specifics of that, but I, I remember it was when I was, um, it was at one point just like a late night when folks were relaying their various ghost stories and haunting experiences that she mentioned it. Yeah. It stuck with me. Wild. I think they eventually ended up destroying the board because they were just afraid that something was going on with that. Yeah. So actually, if you're looking to feel comforted right now, if you would perhaps like the skeptic's perspective and not the scary perspective on the Ouija boards, uh, I <laughs> would like to, this gives me a wonderful segue into a piece on Vox by, uh, I want to say, is it, I'm not sure how to say, is, I think it's Aja, Aja, A-J-A, Romano. Uh, and this is from September 6, 2018. And this is a breakdown of how Ouija boards work. Basically, a lot of the time, maybe sometimes it's ghosts, but a lot of the time, what makes a Ouija board, the planchette move, is not, in fact, something else moving it, but sometimes it is, in fact, uh, an effect coming from your own body. There is, um, if by the way, if you're not familiar with a Ouija board, I didn't give that intro at the beginning of this, I just assumed everyone knows what they oh, are. yeah, sorry. Who here doesn't know what a Ouija board is? We should <laughs> probably address that. A Ouija board is a wooden board, usually wooden, sometimes it's like a cheap kind of uh, board game board uh, that has all the letters of the alphabet on it. Um, yes or no, uh, like yes in the top left corner, no in the top right corner, and an alphabet in the center and the word goodbye at the bottom. 
you it comes with a planchette, this little triangular thing that you sit on the board, you push your you put your hands on the planchette very lightly as so that you're not moving it in the planchette moves slightly underneath your fingers to spell out various words, answer yes or no questions, or say goodbye to end the conversation. By the way, if you're using a Ouija board, you are supposed to always say goodbye at the end so that whatever you've been talking to does not stick around. Anyway, but there actually is a scientific uh, explanation for some of the way that this motion with the planchette can happen. There's something called the idiomotor effect, and it's basically, this article describes it as a way for your body to talk to itself. So I'm going to read straight from this article right here. The idiomotor effect is an example of unconscious involuntary physical movement. That is, we move when we're not trying to move. If you've ever experienced the sudden feeling of jerking awake from sleep, known as the hypnic jerk, you've experienced a more abrupt version of the idiomotor effect. Your brain signaling your body to move without your conscious awareness of it doing so. So the obvious difference is that the idiomotor effect happens when you're awake, so the movements you make are much smaller. So when you're using the Ouija board, while you're asking questions, your brain may unconsciously create images and memories. Your body is responding to your brain without you consciously telling it to do so, causing the muscles in your hands and arms to move the pointer to the answers that you unconsciously may want to receive. There have been multiple scientific studies that show various instances of the idiomotor effect in action. One well-known and oft-repeated variant of the Ouija board test uh, included blindfolded participants spelling out much more incoherent messages. Basically, when they blindfolded people in this test, compared to when people could see the board, the messages didn't make as much sense because the people didn't know what they were spelling. Like those memes where you close your eyes and try to text with your nose. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So uh, that's essentially what is going on a lot of the time. And it's closely tied to subconscious awareness as well. It's been determined that its effect is maximized when the subject believes he has no control of his movements. So paradoxically, the less control you think you have, AKA the more you yourself are focusing on not moving, the more likely your subconscious mind is moving it around. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, because it's it's one of the it's almost like to me at least it makes me think of it's like when you tell someone don't think about a pink elephant. Oh yeah, of course. When you're you're gonna do it, if you're telling your body don't move, don't move, don't look down, <laughs> don't move this thing with, don't move this planchette with your fingers, you're gonna do it. <laughs> but and then obviously when you're using it a lot of different people uh, with a lot of different people at once, it seems more like the thing is moving on its own because multiple people's idiomotor effect is kicking in. So sometimes you truly are not moving it but someone else might be, even if they don't think they are. Wild. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, that's the skeptic corner of the episode. Okay, well, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Now back to ghosts. <laughs> so forget everything I just said. It's ghosts. <laughs> I should also mention, too, if you're not familiar with the impact the Ouija board has had on popular culture, it is substantial. Ouija boards have been appearing in horror films for uh, quite some time, probably most notably in the 1970s film The Exorcist, where the main character, Reagan, becomes possessed by a demon after experimenting with a Ouija board. Mm -hmm. She befriends the demon, which speaks to her through the board, and then uses that connection as an excuse to possess her, and that's how the action of the film unfolds. There have also been a ton of, like, crappy made-for-TV movies. Like, just search Ouija horror movie, and you'll find about 8 million titles 
with variations on that. And then you have the actual major box office films. You have Ouija, like just, I think it was just called Ouija first, and then Ouija Origin of Evil, which was actually directed by Mike Flanagan, who's a director uh, who's made some pretty... No pretty, relation, by the way. No, not related. Different spelling. But who's If made anybody some, was ever wondering that. I know, but who's made some pretty, pretty critically acclaimed work, including The Haunting of Hill House and, most recently, Doctor Sleep. But anyway, it was worth mentioning as a horror film aficionado that Ouija boards play a pretty substantial role. So, speaking of horror and scary stuff, let's talk about, I guess not sightings, but some true life stories. So there's actually an article from the LA Times from 1992, um, or on the LA Times, it's from the Hartford Courant and then reposted to the LA Times from 1992 uh, by Colin McEnroe. And it includes uh, a story from a woman named Deborah Crowley, who had a bad experience with the Ouija board, and I'd like to talk about it. Okay, I think you should. Good, I think I will. Okay. When Deborah Crowley was about 16, she began messing around with a Ouija board somebody had picked up at a dime store. She and her friends asked the board questions and found themselves apparently in touch with a male spirit who entertained romantic impulses toward Crowley. But Crowley started having some peculiar experiences. She felt something touch her when nothing was there. And one night, there was a thunderstorm, of course. That's what the article said. I didn't add the of course. Crowley was babysitting alone, and she had a little session with the board. The spirit turned up, but it was hostile. It was threatening it was going to hurt me, Crowley said. She threw the Ouija board away, and that was that. Today, she warns people against messing around with it. Because you never know what or whom you're going to stir up. What makes the story a little unusual is that Crowley didn't lock the door to the spirit world. Au contraire, she is founder and director of the Inner Light Center, an interfaith spiritual center in Rocky Hill, Connecticut. Hmm. So she's not a skeptic now. It's more just she's like, don't mess around with stuff that you don't. Uh, that you don't understand and that you're not sure what it is. And this includes some other quotes as well from other like kind of psychic or spiritualist people uh, about being careful about Ouija boards. So here's a quote from Roger Pyle of Ivoryton, Connecticut. Supposing you were living in a brownstone apartment in New York City and you walk out the door and grab the first person you see and bring them into your home. <laughs> Basically, he says that's what you're doing when you use a Ouija board. <laughs> you're inviting just a random person or a random thing to talk to you and come into your house. Yeah, that's true. That's an interesting point about Ouija boards, which I think is very fascinating, is that, you know, there's sort of like, there's the chronic assumption of like, oh, you can talk to specifically like laudable or notable or powerful spirits from days gone by, or like there's the theory of, you know, you're always going to end up with an evil spirit no matter what. I really adore the idea of just like opening up the Ouija board and the the powers that be within and you just like get some guy named Harold. Yeah. Well, the, that's kind of the thing is it's like, you don't really know what you're getting. So it could be somebody really interesting. It could be somebody really boring, or it could, as like they're kind of implying and warning, be something really dark. Um, mm-hmm. I actually watched spoilers right now, actually, for a great horror film that I watched recently. Um, it's on Shudder. It's called Host. It's not Ouija board, but it's it's related. Um, it's called Host. It's actually really cr- a great example of people making art during the pandemic. It is a horror film that takes place entirely over a Zoom call. Follow, it's a British horror film following six friends trying to do a seance over a Zoom call. And 
uh, spoilers right now, the spoilers start here. One of the friends while doing this plays a joke on everybody else in the call by pretending that the spirit is an old classmate named Billy by pretending that there's somebody talking to her who's an old classmate who died named Billy. And we're then revealing that Billy mm-hmm. doesn't exist. She made him up. And the medium says, basically, like, that was a really dangerous thing to do. She says, by doing that, you've essentially put out a mask that anything can come in and put on. Mm. And that's sort of the idea of the, like, it's an invitation. It's sort of the idea of the Ouija board when people warn against the dangers of it. Is it's like you're opening the door and saying, hey, anything, come talk to me. Um, right, exactly. Which, if something maybe does not have your best interests at heart, is not the best idea. Anyway, but I- also specifically, I mean, that's fascinating, too, because it's kind of that idea of, like, hack psychics, mm-hmm. you know, who will basically, like, give you just enough information for you to show them exactly what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. And then they just have to tell you that. So, right. yeah, I mean... And the thing is, it could be any combination of things, right? If your subconscious maybe makes the first few moves on the Ouija board, you know, then the evil spirit can go from there. Right, exactly. There's something very interesting about that idea. Side note, if you like jump scares, I do. To me, they feel like being on a roller coaster. Host was really fun. It runs literally 56 minutes. It's the length of a Zoom call on like the non-professional version of Zoom. That's about when it cuts you off. And And it was like an example of, I think, people making like, cool art within the constraints of the pandemic mm-hmm. kind of situation. And I really enjoyed it. If you have Shudder, give it a watch. They didn't sponsor me, but I really enjoyed it. So I wanted to recommend. Um, so I would now like to hop over to from readersdigest.com. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so much. 12 spooky Ouija board stories that will give you chills. Mm-hmm. We spoke with real people about their encounters with Ouija boards. Their personal experiences will make you question reality. Sorry, that he- that subheader is kind of aggressive. <laughs> Joke's on you. Everything makes me question reality. I have trauma. <laughs> right? Like, joke's on you. I <laughs> dissociate. Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway, on a lighter note, this is, by the way, gotta give credit, this is by Taylor Markarian and was uh, put up on September 11th, 2019. My birthday. <laughs> Love that for you. Happy birthday to me one year ago. Um... <laughs> So, first one, this one comes from Justin, age 32, from New Jersey. Justin played with a Ouija board one day with several of his friends. They asked questions, but instead of the planchette moving to certain letters, it began to move in a strange pattern. It went to all four corners of the board and made an X, he tells Reader's Digest. Then it just went in circles. The next time he used the board, it was with a different friend at his house. Again, the planchette moved in the same strange pattern. I felt like it was some kind of hex, he continues. Later that night when he was sleeping, he felt a forceful hand grab his arm and wake him up. Everyone else in the house was sound asleep. Before I continue on the rest of these, I actually just remembered. I do not remember the title of the game, and I feel really bad. I I, I downloaded this free game on Steam ages ago that was like a compilation of kind of of seven short interactive horror stories. It was really fun. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. If you search like those, if you search with those search terms, I'm sure you'll find it. It's it's a free game on Steam. And one of the games involved you playing as a man who was trying to use a Ouija board to communicate with his dead wife. And... It was the one that, that creeped me out the most because it, it had like the questions preset for you. But when you asked them, you watched the, the planchette move in real time. And it reached a point in the game, spoilers again for a piece of media, where you asked like if you were talking to the wife and it was like, no. 
Mm-hmm. And it and it genuinely describing it maybe doesn't sound as creepy, but I was playing it at night in my room, and it genuinely sent a little chill down my spine. Uh, and I this really just goes to show you that like framing is everything. Yes, <laughs> because when you retell a story like that, it's like oh, it doesn't sound very scary. But it's like the equivalent of when you try to tell somebody about a Jinji Ito story. You know what I oh, mean? God. It's like, well, there are these holes in the rocks, and everybody has a hole and giant head balloons. <laughs> And there are these balloons and they're like giant heads and also like it's it's not gonna work but if you experience the thing yourself like the framing of it is what makes it genuinely so terrifying mm-hmm. there's also something to be said for this is i'm so sorry everything's a jinji ito sidebar these days for me but jinji ito paces his stories really meticulously in the way he builds tension with the turning of the page mm-hmm. with like the way that new images are revealed to you and how that timing like just in the way like the way that you personally time it as you read it like the sure. tension builds so naturally and so like excellently that like when you take away that element as well as the visual element so much of it just disappears <laughs> but anyway abby age 20 florida abby was in her room one night after playing with a ouija board earlier that day <laughs> As she was getting ready for bed, her computer screen changed from black to blue. It turned on by itself. She turned the computer off. Again, the computer clicked itself back to life. Anxious, Abby unplugged the computer completely, and then the unpowered computer started back up again. She buried the Ouija board in her backyard that same night. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Good choice. Oceana, 30, New Jersey. Most people play with a Ouija board in groups, or at least one other person, but... Oceana wanted to try to use it on her own. She put her hands on the pointer and asked questions, but nothing happened. She took her hands off the pointer and was about to put the game away when the planchette began to move around on its own. I'll never try that again, she says. (laughs) These are fun because they're not... I have some slightly scarier ones, but these are kind of the intro ones. These are the Reader's Digest ones, which are a little bit more just kind of like, I didn't Mm. like that, and then I put it away, and then it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm skipping some of these because no offense to Vince, age 30, from Delaware, but his his story is not scary. <laughs> well, okay, go off. <laughs> so Paige, age 24, Ohio. The first time I used a Ouija board, Paige tells Reader's Digest, I was about six or seven and I was with my mom and older sister, who was about 15 at the time. The family had just moved to a new house, much bigger and much older than the one they lived in previously. That night, Paige, her mother, and her sister were eating pizza on the living room floor, and they put on a fire to ease the chill of the fall air. After dinner, her sister pushed her mom to let them play with their old Ouija board. As we were using it, Paige continues, a box in the living room that had some books in it flew across the room. Shortly after that, the fire inexplicably went out, and their mother was so shaken, she took the girls to their grandmother's house to spend the night. No, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. This one's simple, but it freaks me out anyway. <laughs> Liam, 17, New Jersey. As a child, Liam is still a child, but anyway. Um, as a child, Liam was at summer camp one year when he and some other boys uh, drew their own Ouija board on a large sheet of paper. As soon as we started using it, he says, we heard knocking coming from inside one of the lockers. I do not like that. I do not like that at all. <laughs> I don't like knocking yeah, from... Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not a good time I don't like knocking from inside a closed thing. I don't like that. I generally just don't like knocking. You can text me if you're outside. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely fair. Oh, no. I'm skipping some of these just because they're a little repetitive. Let's see. Did you ever play with a Ouija board at a sleepover before, by the way? No, I didn't. The one time I did 
was the one time I played with a Ouija board. <laughs> and then I was like, no. Uh, <laughs> Glenn, age 29, Pennsylvania says, I saw a full bodied apparition. The apparition he saw was that of a young girl wearing what looked like commoners clothing from an antiquated era. He told the story to his neighbors, who happened to be historians, and they told him that a little girl, just like the one he described, used to live in his house. The apparition ended up being a 10-year-old girl who died of tuberculosis sometime in the 1800s. Just kind of an ooh one. Not like scary. I'm not like afraid of the little girl ghost, but like an ooh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Tommy, 25, New York. This is the last one of this one, of this article. (laughs) When Tommy was a freshman in college, he and his dorm mates took out a Ouija board and had a threatening encounter with some very dark spirits. The dorm hall used to be a morgue, he says. It was the perfect setting for a goof with friends. I also want to know really quickly, I would like to know what college Tommy went to and how this is the case for this many schools. Because if he's, he went to school in New York, it's not the same school. But uh, I've talked before on the show that I used to live in a in student housing at a college that had formerly been a funeral home. Mm. So, oh, yes. I remember you mentioning so it before. So what the heck is with colleges using morgues and funeral homes for dorms? I just wanted to say something about that. Sorry, I'll get back to Tommy's story, but like, are we kidding? One of my roommates at the time when I lived there always wanted to do a Ouija board, and I told him if he did, I would never talk to him again. Um, (laughs) Anyway, it was the perfect setting for a goof with friends, he thought, but they failed to realize how serious it could get. The planchette began to move on the board. The spirit, or spirits, communicated to them that 83 demons would come for them. Specific. So many. The next thing you know, this is from Tommy, the dorm is haunted and the girls can't sleep because stuff was turning on and off and messing with them. So they had a priest come by and bless the room. It was good afterward, he says. That's why I don't mess with Ouija boards anymore. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, that'll do it. I would like to now read from inthenow.com, and this is very recent. This is from... This is from um, this year. This is from June of this year. And this is by Morgan Greenwald. And this is from InTheKnow.com. And this is entitled, This Messed Up Ouija Board Story Will Send Shivers Down Your Spine. Ready? Please, send them. (laughs) Technically, this is a story from Reddit, which I usually find directly on Reddit. But since this popped up first, I'm just using the uh, the secondhand rate of the Reddit story. So let's just dive in. Recently, Reddit user Lopsided Koala love that username, shared their strange and positive Ouija board experience to the paranormal subreddit. Positive is in little quotes, by the way. This experience happened in the late 80s when they were in college. One day, when they were messing around with a Ouija board, lopsided koala decided to ask the spirit world if their grandmother was still alive. My father was raised by an aunt and never really knew his mother and didn't have any idea who his father was, they explained. Well, according to the Ouija board, Lopsided Koala's grandma was alive. It even revealed that she lived in Lopsided Koala's home state and hometown. When Lopsided Koala asked what street their grandma lived on, the board spelled that out. After they received all this information from the board, they naturally looked up whether there was a Washington street, they used that as like the generic reference street in their hometown. There was, but grandma didn't live there. A few years later, Lopsided Koala's dad found his mom. She lived in my home state in the town of Washington, Lopsided Koala explained. It wasn't the street name, it was the town name. How messed up is that? More than 30 years later, I still have no explanation. 
Mm. This was not a scary one per se, but it is wild if true. Yeah, for sure. I, would, I just love a dramatically worded ending. Right? Also, if you're trying to track down a lost relative, I recommend like maybe a PI or like one of those websites. <laughs> not a Ouija board, but you know what? Live and let live. That's what I say. Everybody's got their way of handling things, you know? Live and let Ouija. I am now going to read from cosmopolitan.com. Cosmo has, uh, for Horror Week from October of 2016, eight Ouija board stories that will make you throw yours in the trash immediately. Okay. This is by... This is... A bold claim. Right? This is by Leanna Commons, and like I said, it was from October of 2016. Okay, the first one comes from a Reddit user. These are all kind of aggregated from around the internet. Thank you. Thank you, listicles. I love you. And uh, I love not having to do the work of assembling these myself. Let's go. I was about 12 or 13 spending the night at a friend's house, goofing around with the Ouija board with him and his sister. We were getting all sorts of gibberish plus words spelled out, just kind of scaring ourselves for fun, not taking it very seriously. Then we got the message, I can see you through the window. Mm? And then I can see you through his eyes. There was just a small window in the basement room where we were and just the backyard and woods past the driveway visible through that window. We asked it more questions and it said, I'm under the car. So we somehow got up the nerve to go out with a flashlight and peer under the car where we saw a huge black stray cat hissing. We ran inside freaking out. And at that exact moment, the power failed and all the lights in the house went out. We just about actually pooped ourselves. A few minutes later, it, they didn't. Uh, the power came back and we sat up until dawn that night, scared and never played with the board again. That one genuinely made me get creeped out sitting here reading it in this very Yeah, that one is kind of freaky. <laughs> I've just got a couple more of these creepy ones and then we can close. Okay. <sighs> Thanks. My spooky ones are always kind of longer. I just get excited. Okay. That's okay. <sighs> My two best friends, M and L for this story, and I played the Ouija board at M's house. It was going fine until M asked the spirit how it died and it said, murder. She asked how it had been murdered, and it said, Not I. It gave its name as something older that I can no longer remember and gave us a date in the 1800s. It started to get heavy. The whole room felt different, and the little thing on the board was ripped out of our hands and went across the room. We stopped playing immediately after that. Next one. I was over at a friend's house back in the early 90s. I believe I was in ninth grade at the time. There were four of us, myself and three other girls. They kept asking me if I wanted to play with the Ouija board because they've been talking to some dude on it named Roger. Oh, some guy named Roger. You know, from Ouija? Sorry, that's really... You know, Roger from Ouija uh, board? You know Roger from the Ouija board. He's in finance. Okay. I was totally skeptical at first. I wasn't buying it. Totally thought they were moving the planchette. Until I asked the board a question that only I knew. We had just gotten our grades back from school that day, and I asked what I got in science. I remember this clearly, and I know my friends did not know the answer. The board spelled out my grade. Nerd. <laughs> I didn't say Sorry, I shouldn't make fun. Nerd. Uh, <laughs> of course, that piqued my interest, so I started asking it more questions. I can't really recall the details of that night, other than that the board kept calling one of my friends a B-word. It hated her. Oh, no. It liked me. His name was Roger, and he was stabbed to death. Yikes. <laughs> as, as DJ Khaled might say, another one. Um, I don't know why I said that. That was, I don't. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Once, right after, my ex had lost his friend in an airplane accident, we took the Ouija board out to use it. She was very present. She was very scared and alone and desperate for communication. 
We stopped using it, and immediately I felt this presence in the corner of the room. I closed my eyes to take a deep breath. Suddenly, the pointer started moving rapidly around and going too fast to spell out the words. It was terrifying. I refused to use the Ouija board again. I immediately felt exhausted, completely and utterly drained. I lay down and had a nap. I was asleep for exactly 30 minutes. I woke up, bolted out of bed. I closed my eyes for a second to adjust myself to where I was, and I saw this spirit skeletal thing standing in the corner of my room. It suddenly rushed at my face and started screaming at me with a big gaunt mouth. I opened my eyes and started screaming to get it off me. I could feel it, so oppressive and aggressive, trying to get on me. I ran from the house, screaming and shaking. I don't think I ever used the Ouija board again. One day, it disappeared from my bedroom. It completely vanished. I've never found it. I have no explanations for what happened to it. I have just one more, and then we can bring it home. (laughs) All right. The figure at the window is what this one's called. This is, when I was around 12 to 14, one girl brought a Ouija board to my friend's birthday slumber party. I was pretty skeptical, but also really curious about it, as I had never used one before. We took turns asking questions, and I just figured someone else was moving the planchette. The other girls were pretty creeped out, but it wasn't until it answered a question for me that nobody else knows the answer to. To this day, I can't explain how that happened, or any of the other paranormal experiences that happened after we put the board away. I truly believe that we contacted something, and it stuck around. There were just generally a lot of small things, like footsteps above us when we were on the top floor, the door swinging open on its own, and the girl who lived there said it never did that on its own before. The creepiest part was that a bunch of us randomly woke up at four or five in the morning, and a few girls saw a black figure walking down the street outside the window. Apparently one of the girls had seen what they thought was the same figure with his face at the window on the second story earlier in the night. Mm, I don't like that. Okay, I don't like that either. And I think that perhaps we should close with an Amazon review of a Hasbro gaming Ouija board. I do like that. This one is from 2018 and it says, got this as a gag gift for my jerk family member. They didn't want to take it home. (laughs) I hid it inside their house. Now they hate me and blocked me. So I guess this product works great. Nice. (laughs) Oh, that's very good. Anyway, that's, that one made me really happy. There's a lot of actually really fun uh, Amazon reviews on it, but that one made me laugh out loud, so I needed to share it. And I think that that's a good place to bring it, bring it home. So, you know, in conclusion, be careful, be safe, like uh, do whatever you would like to do, but you know, exercise caution. And if you end up using a Ouija board for any reason, uh, always conclude the conversation, end it with the goodbye, make sure that the conversation is ended and everyone has said goodbye, including the planchette and... That's just, that's all, that's all I gotta say about that. Uh, final thoughts? <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I have anything else to say that hasn't already been said by myself or that's my fair. subconscious or the ghost hands guiding me toward a conclusion. <laughs> oh, and if you have any jerk relatives, just hide one in their house. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great plan. <laughs> so, um, I think that's everything for us this week. Thank you everyone, as always, for sticking with us. It's been a really strange time, but we're really excited to just, you know, keep making the stuff we love to make with the people we love to make it with. I spoke for you this time by accident, but I hope that's okay. 
That's okay. Maybe you can let uh, something on the other side of a, a piece of cardboard speak for you as we <laughs> roll into the end zone here. Yes. All right. So as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Bye.